Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Monday morning, the 5th of June. You know that we would have to still be talking about it because now we know more about the people who perpetrated the crime. The Express today has repeatedly calls for tougher actions on terrorists and they're now backing the Prime Minister who insists things have got to change. Enough is enough. How they change, I have no idea. We appear to be fighting an invisible force. We have no idea where they're going to strike. Somebody earlier on was talking to Darren saying, perhaps if we had uh, uh, the army stationed on bridges. Do you know how many bridges there are in London? Do you know how difficult it would be to station troops on the bridges, one at either end and one in the middle? That's not going to stop anything. If somebody's hell-bent on driving into pedestrians, they're not going to worry about three soldiers standing on a bridge. And that's why the Prime Minister's right when she says enough is enough. But what they discussed at Cobra, I've got no idea. We don't seem to be any nearer solving a problem because the people who perpetrate the crimes absolutely hate us. The worst thing is they've got families as well. Seven dead, 21 critical and uh, the jihadi strike. Where will it be next? Not a clue. Not a clue. I haven't got the faintest idea. I'm as much in the dark as everybody else is, even the security services. I don't know whether or not these people were on the radar. We know that uh, they've identified them, but they're not giving their names out uh, purely to help the police. So you've got a picture which actually appeared on the front of one of the Sunday papers yesterday, which is on the front of most of the papers today of one of them. Uh, This was the the leader, they say, who was a tube worker. I mean, quite clearly, uh, these people can come from just about anywhere. I don't quite understand what what problem they solve. One of them turned out to be married with, with children, So, obviously, he had no regard for his family. He quite clearly hated them as much as he loathes everybody else, probably including himself. Low self-esteem. The son got it right. Eight cops, 50 shots, three losers burning in hell. And that's the way their family will have to remember them. They've achieved nothing. They achieved nothing at all. We still stand strong. We still had a a concert up in Manchester the, uh, the other night. Um, whether or not you like concerts or stuff like that, it was certainly a great uh, outpouring from the public. And we we bounce back, don't we? We bounce back in this country because we say... In fact, I believe, actually, in uh, somewhere the other day, there was another car bomb explosion. It doesn't solve anything. It just murders innocent people, the people who perpetrated the crime. These three terrorists, these three sad, lonely little losers with no no life quality, no future, no nothing at all, what they thought they were achieving. I have no idea. Because I think had you equipped the public with guns, they'd have mown them down within seconds. But they insisted on attacking people. Uh, Men, women, they didn't discriminate. They didn't care who it was that they attacked. They were obviously hell-bent on it. Probably on drugs, I should imagine. 99% of them have got drug problems. They've generally had problems with the law. They're generally known to the police, if not the security services. And so they go out there, quite clearly must have been knowing the fact that the police would take them out if they were caught, and the police did take them out in a matter of minutes. And so uh, they're they're dead, which is a shame, really, because I really wanted some answers. But they don't have any answers, do they? Because they're so simple in their minds. They have a philosophy. They couldn't give a toss about their families. They couldn't give a toss about children, you know. And yet they're more than happy to take from the country, which provides possibly the safest place for anybody to be. That's what I would have thought some some time ago. Now I might be thinking differently, thinking we're dealing with somebody that's that's completely different from the way everybody else thinks. And then you get people who write. I mean, can you believe that there are even people on the Internet, trolls, sick, perverted people who put up pictures of people going, this person's missing. Turns out it's lies most of the time. They do it because they want retweets. 
and uh, and they're that sad. And these people should be prosecuted immediately. These three dead, they can they can burn in hell. Nobody cares about them anymore. Um, but it's their families, isn't it? And I'm assuming they do have families. They must have parents. Are they, are they proud of them? I shouldn't imagine they've got the faintest idea what's going on. Generally, people like this don't know. They go, well, he seems such a nice person. In fact, you will be hearing later on this morning from a neighbour of one of those who was killed who said what a nice person he was. And they used to see the family and all the rest of it. Quite clearly not. Quite clearly not. These people are obviously uh, very adept at sort of changing the mask to suit the situation. And in this particular case, the mask was hatred. The hatred was... Uh, perpetrated on the streets in a busy area of London, although on a Saturday night I defy anybody to find an area that's not busy. This could have happened in Covent Garden, it could have happened in Shoreditch, it could have happened in Chelsea, it could have happened anywhere. There's people out on the streets. Bit of nice weather, they go out there. You know, and uh, having armed police on the streets is not going to somebody stop somebody driving a van or a lorry or a coach or a car or a truck or anything like that from ploughing into people. You could literally go over any bridge in London on a Saturday night, in fact, on any night of the week, and mow down people. You could probably drive a truck, you know, onto a station or have somebody on a station. All places where people congregate. These ones were different, as opposed to just mowing people down. They feel they have to kill at the end of it. I don't quite understand. Luckily, they were all murdered within seconds, so it's good. I hope they died screaming. I hope they really died in total agony. I'd have prolonged it as long as possible. But that's just the way we feel, isn't it? That's just gut reaction. It doesn't solve the problem that, you know, three we, we've killed here. Then they uh, they find some more people, which we'll get round to a little bit later on. So we do agree with the Prime Minister. I think everybody agrees enough is enough. But there's no end in sight. There is no no magical door that we open and go through and we go, so listen, what do you want? And the answer is they don't know. They don't know what they want because they're simpletons. They're just, they're stupid people who've been radicalised by somebody who's given them drugs and got them into a particular frame of mind. They don't know what they want. If you say to them, listen, what would stop you going out killing and murdering people? They'd have to identify themselves as potential killers and murderers. And I don't really know what, the, there isn't anything that they want. What would you like us all to sort of, you know, change religion or something? Not going to happen. Do you want us all to sort of acknowledge the fact that, you know, people can uh, go about their daily business wearing what they want? No, it's not going to happen. I'm afraid you're going to have to adhere to the you know, to the rules of the country. It's as simple as that. We all have to adhere to them, and I see no reason why sh you shouldn't. But quite clearly, you know, th th there are people out there. I mean, somebody uh, calling to Darren earlier on suggested negotiating with them. Well, uh, well, how? How would that be possible to neg negotiate with whom? Who, who is the leader of ISIS? It is the one particular head prat who's up there going... Um, you know, I mean, in theory, I suppose there must be somebody who sort of, you know, is more than happy to sort of uh, tell other people to go out and commit murder and atrocities. And yet they're too cowardly to do anything themselves, mainly because they're perverts. That's what they are in ISIS. We know that. And they all sort of jump on the back of the bandwagon. There are probably people out there at the moment, men, women, in families, everything else, plotting the next thing to do. What we've got to do is find, what I want to know is stupid questions. I want to ask dumb questions. Like, you know, once we, we, we know that one of these particular people has got uh, a family with children, do they work? Are they on benefits? I mean, you know, how is this going to happen? So one, if, if he was working and he was the breadwinner, once he stops being the breadwinner, who, who pays for the family? You do. You pay for it. I don't want to. I don't want to pay for it. I think we should stop that immediately. I'm sorry, you didn't know that your husband was planning something like this. What sort of marriage have you got? People appear not to be knowing what anybody is doing. You know, and um, I've just driven over Waterloo Bridge Deep, putting up barriers up on the footpaths. Well, 
we've got a lot of... Br- I don't know how many bridges there are in London. I would suspect, probably, 33 bridges. Are you serious? I mean, some of them are small bridges. But then, you know, do you have to sort of put barriers up on all of them? Yes. Do we live in a permanent state of, uh, of, of awareness? Yes. But then we should have done for, for some years now. We should always be aware. But we're not. We let our guard down, don't we? Something happens and we all go, you know, up in arms and we all go, we've got to do it. We've got to do a vigil. One of the papers, one of the columnists today says, I don't think any vigil is actually going to change anything. You know, having a, a vigil and having, you know, a candlelit procession to remember that isn't, isn't going to change anything. The people who, who perpetuate these crimes and continue to, to operate aren't remotely... But they're not going to be bothered by this. They don't have any emotions. They don't have any... They're, they're, they're not... Listen, if they're prepared to go out and kill women, that's how sick they are. That's how sick they are. Nevertheless, there will be a vigil on the grass next to City Hall in Southwark at six o'clock this evening. Let's hear from Theresa May, shall we? This is what she said on the steps of 10 Downing Street yesterday morning. Last night, our country fell victim to a brutal terrorist attack once again. We cannot and must not pretend that things can continue as they are. Things need to change and they need to change in four important ways. First, while the recent attacks are not connected by common networks, they are connected in one important sense. They are bound together by the single evil ideology of Islamist extremism that preaches hatred, sows division and promotes sectarianism. It is an ideology that claims our Western values of freedom, democracy and human rights are incompatible with the religion of Islam. It is an ideology that is a perversion of Islam and a perversion of the truth. Defeating this ideology is one of the great challenges of our time, but it cannot be defeated through military intervention alone. It will not be defeated through the maintenance of a permanent defensive counter-terrorism operation, however skillful its leaders and practitioners. It will only be defeated when we turn people's minds away from this violence and make them understand that our values, pluralistic British values, are superior to anything offered by the preachers and supporters of hate. Second, we cannot allow this ideology the safe space it needs to breed. Yet that is precisely what the internet and the big companies that provide internet-based services provide. We need to work with allied democratic governments to reach international agreements that regulate cyberspace to prevent the spread of extremist and terrorism planning. And we need to do everything we can at home to reduce the risks of extremism online. Third, while we need to deprive the extremists of their safe spaces online, we must not forget about the safe spaces that continue to exist in the real world. Yes, that means taking military action to destroy ISIS in Iraq and Syria, but it also means taking action here at home. While we have made significant progress in recent years, There is, to be frank, far too much tolerance of extremism in our country. So we need to become far more robust in identifying it and stamping it out across the public sector and across society. That will require some difficult and often embarrassing conversations. But the whole of our country needs to come together 
to take on this extremism. And we need to live our lives not in a series of separated, segregated communities, but as one truly united kingdom. Fourth, we have a robust counter-terrorism strategy that has proved successful over many years. But as the nature of the threat we face becomes more complex, more fragmented, more hidden, especially online, the strategy needs to keep up. So in light of what we are learning about the changing threat, we need to review Britain's counter-terrorism strategy to make sure the police and security services have all the powers they need. And if we need to increase the length of custodial sentences <coughs> for terrorism-related offences, even apparently less serious offences, that is what we will do. Since the emergence of the threat from Islamist-inspired terrorism, our country has made significant progress in disrupting plots and protecting the public. But it is time to say enough is enough. Everybody needs to go about their lives as they normally would. Our society should continue to function in accordance with our values. But when it comes to taking on extremism and terrorism, things need to change. Well, there it is. That's the Prime Minister speaking yesterday on the steps of, uh, of number 10, saying enough is enough. But I don't know what that means. It's, it's very good and it's, it's very plausible and it's very believable. But what, what are we doing? What can we do about something we don't know? Did anybody know that there was going to be an attack at Borough Market? No, because otherwise they'd have been preventing it. Were the police excellent in getting there on time? Yes, absolutely. I thought that they were on stand down. But of course, on, a, on any night of the week, they're on standby. They're there. They're already ready. So it is only down the road. So they got there very, very quickly and they took out the people who perpetrated the crime. But when the prime minister says enough is enough and things have got to change. Yes, we all agree with that. But what 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 is the answer? I know I know what the question is and I know what answer she's given us, but it doesn't tell you anything. It really doesn't tell you anything at all. She just says enough is enough. And I want to know what that means. And I don't think she knows. I mean, what do we all do? Stay inside, frightened to go outside, cover ourselves up, rush to the tube station as quick as possible, get underground. I don't know. It could happen anywhere, the next one. Because it will happen. There will be something else. Happen. We'd be too naive to think that nothing will happen again. Of course it will happen again, because that's what they like doing. They like causing mayhem. These are sick people in the head. These are people who take full advantage of everything this country has to offer. The medical services, the, the, the health care, all of those sort of things, you know, and the schooling and everything else. And yet, really, they just want to kill us. And as all the other presenters have said, I can't quite understand why they want to do that. I've never come across any of these people before. I don't really want to, actually. I really don't want to see them because they're obviously not, not very pleasant at all, either for themselves or for their family or for their relations. They don't seem to like anybody, which is a very sad state of affairs. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 4.20 is the time. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's shorter this morning, it's shorter. It's going to be until six o'clock. Nick Ferrari is going to start the breakfast show this morning at six. So he'll he'll round up, start to finish. When I say to finish, to wherever we are at the moment. Uh, the newspapers, they've all got the story. They've all got the pictures. Surprisingly, actually, they must have taken these pictures from people who were there. And the reason I say that is because the picture quality is terrible. And that's why I was thinking if this was a, I mean, I don't know, if that, because there was a news org at the sun around the corner, aren't they? The sun around the corner and the Times as well. And yet the picture quality on the front of all the papers is dreadful. 
Now, whether or not they've all come to the conclusion that they don't want, because this is a newspaper that's going to be on, on newsstands today. Kids can see this, they, they can see these pictures, and it is, um, it's three dead people. But the picture quality is so bad, I mean, it could be anybody on the ground. You've got no idea. Only one person is identifiable. Uh, and this is the, the one they say. They were all wearing combats and everything else. It doesn't matter what they... They could have been stark naked. It makes no difference what they were wearing. It was the fact that they went out deliberately to kill people. And not just to kill people by shooting them, but to, to attack them with knives. They're rather pathetic people. As I say, I couldn't be happier that they're dead. I'm just, again, sad that more people have to lose their lives. I mean, some of the uh, some of the people and, you know, the people around there who are barricading themselves in the bars and in the, the clubs and things like that. At one point, they were throwing tables and chairs at some bloke who came in. You'd have thought, actually, if people rushed somebody, but if he had a machete in his hand, you're not going to risk it, are you? You're just not going to risk it. It's no point in being a dead hero. But uh, Cowardly Abs is his name, and his pals died in a hail of bullets. Good. Good. Hope the family are delighted. Hope the family are really thrilled. Because they must have... Where do they think he was going? Off on a jolly? No, I don't think so. These people, they, they, they must know this. They must know what's going on. So they, they, they've done a sort of a rundown of the, uh, of the killers. Uh, one of them, they've not... There's one that they've identified. There's obviously two that they haven't identified. Uh, there are people... I don't even want to read some of these headlines. I seriously don't want to read the headlines. Uh, over in Barking... Of course, it was completely different because it didn't take them long. Because once they know who one person is, they then go back to where they live and they then try and find uh, people who they think are associated with them. So what happened is an armed unit has moved in um, and they arrest a number of people. Twelve people, I believe, were arrested. Among them, four women. Because don't ever think this is just male... Male ownership on this one. This is women as well going out covering their faces. Of course, there could be a perfectly legitimate reason for that. Uh, one person wanted to leap from the uh, the rooftop. And anyway, they were all down on the ground. I mean, these are people who live here amongst us. Uh, one of them, uh, Jabril, lives in the area where the raid took place. Our reporter Mike Hughes went down there to speak to him. So you know one of the people that's been arrested here? Yes. Well, well I know for him because uh, he'd been... Uh... When he moved here, we've been living here, because I just live around the corner here for two minutes. And uh, when we moved here, unfortunately, he was approaching my kids. Uh, he was giving it to my kids uh, sweets and all that kind of stuff. But I, I never expected he was this kind of stuff. And uh, when uh, my missus approached him about uh, why are you giving his kids to my, you know, we are stranger, we don't know you, this kind of stuff. I suddenly come out with, uh, oh, no, no, we are Muslim, we are not hurting no one, this kind of stuff. And my missy, she said, why are you praying in the park? Because he was completely fully praying at the park with his, like a sally and everything. And he was with another three guys with him. And at uh, that point, when it happened, my missus approached me, said to me, you need to go and speak to him. So when I started to speak to him, everything he was generated on uh, Muslim, on uh, praying, this, this, this and that. And I said to him, listen, you don't need to, don't approach any more of my kids, you know what I mean, because I don't like, I don't like this kind of situation to be, but this is very, very, from my point of view, it's a shock for me because I was going at the same gym where he goes to the gym as a security. And uh, I always go down there, this, the gym is a little bit Muslim orientated, so, you know, it was cool, you know, it wasn't that bad, but had an incident with the neighbours previously? Well, 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 the incident did have a previous with the neighbour. It was this kind of things, approaching kids with uh, 
chocolate and uh, saying to them, you need to become a Muslim, you need to do this, you need to do this. Um, last time I just speak to him, it was about three days ago, I was speaking to this gentleman here. And I was uh, with my kids, and he was going to the swimming pool, having a fun, everything. And he said to me, come with me at the swimming pool, Jibril, let's have a fun, this kind of stuff. Like a normal uh, young teenager, you know what I mean, a family guy. And uh, suddenly this happened. And from, from the five years that you've known him, it's never ever crossed your mind that he could be linked to either extremism or certainly bomb plots? Me, myself, real and truly, I always look at uh, he was strictly on a, on a Muslim, on a Muslim like a religion. He was very, very strict. But I, 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 I will never, 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 never entirely in my life think about it to go to this to this point, to this point, never, never. Just, just talk us through the kind of community it is around here. In here is, really and truly, is uh, a mixed community because I'm from Italy. Uh, everyone's, we are international community here, so it was not uh, a kind of uh, him or this or that. So we are like a peaceful. No one's never happened these kind of things before. Some normal accident of stabbing normally because this is barking, you know, I mean, it's a little bit rough in area, but no more than that, no more than that. But it's really surprising me this has happened to him, really. It's him, really. Now, when he showed me the picture of the gentleman, I was, I was, I was shocked. And that's him. certainly, definitely the one that you've definitely. seen detained today? Not detained. That one has been shot yesterday night, killed at London Bridge. Right, okay. Yeah, because he showed me the picture. And this is the man you say is alleged to have carried out the attacks last night? Well, well, for the picture that another, your colleague showed to me for yesterday night, Yes, yes. I know his little kid, Zaytun. Uh, I know his missus because my missus was approaching with this, you know, speaking in general. And uh, this, this is, this is such, sad. It's, it's sad, really. It's sad because he was a, such a young guy, promising as well, really and truly promising guy. I don't know why he did, he did go to this, to this stage. And how old was he? Between, I reckon, he's between the 20 and 24. Okay, so he young. was a very a teenager, very young. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's very, very. I'm very shocked when I was speaking, even with this gentleman. I'm very shocked for what I've been hearing, and f especially for the picture this gentleman showed to me. Now I'm completely sad and shocked. Really. Jibril, who lives in Barking, where the police carried out the raids yesterday morning, that was just hours after the London Bridge attack. Uh, who knew a man who he says was one of the attackers? Speaking to our reporter down there, Mike Hughes. Uh, looking in the paper today, there was one woman, uh, an Australian, actually. This is Candice Hedge. She was having uh, dinner with her boyfriend after finishing a shift at a restaurant in London Bridge. One of the three terrorists ran up, uh, grabbed her uh, from behind and ran his blade across her throat. Luckily, he missed the major arteries and her windpipe. And uh, she wrote on Facebook, Hey, everyone, just so you know, I'm doing OK, bit of pain. Uh, there were other people who weren't so lucky out there as these uh, these murdering thugs. But as I say, they live among you. They might be living where you live. You know, you have no idea. That man who we just spoke to a moment ago says um, we didn't uh, we didn't know anything about him. We thought he, w he was quite a nice person. Shame is the uh, is the poem which says, I do not want to know his name. Let it be silenced, buried in shame. Don't bother to name his neighbourhood. He has no place alongside the good. Don't tell me where he went to school. No child is born with a heart so cruel. Don't talk about his faith, his race, 
Such evil has no human face. Don't air his rhetoric or ideals. There's no value in what he thinks or feels. Don't glorify details of his crime. Let them be lost, erased in time. Don't play his video nor his voice. Let us not pollute the air by choice. I do not want to know his name. Let it be silenced, buried in shame. I don't know who wrote that, actually. But uh, Mark sent it in to us. But it says, that poem says all you need about discussing the, cow- the cowards who carried... I know, somebody wrote to me the other day, and unfortunately it came in after the programme had finished, and said, um, I really wanted them to live so they could go to prison and really suffer. Well, you know, I think, I think the suffering begins for their family and their parents and everything else. Because quite clearly, if you bring perverts like that into the world, you know, you're going to be remembering it for ages. Perhaps they already planned this. I don't know. We, we know that Lee, Lee Rigby's killers, they don't seem to be suffering, do they, in prison? They're still spouting the usual claptrap that these poor sods decide to spout to be. The only people who are impressed by it are other sort of poor saps who are so shallow and so empty and so vapid and so vacuous that they've got nothing else to live for. Because they're losers. Every single one of them losers. As the Sun say in their headline, eight cops, 50 shots, three losers burning in hell. That's obviously the image that they want their, their children to take with them for the rest of their life. But that's their business. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Somewhat different programme this morning. I know that you will appreciate that. Uh, somebody said to me earlier on, actually, I think it was, uh, it was Tom Watts, the newsreader. He said the, the most amazing call and the one which, which provoked the most reaction was the guy who, out of all the cab drivers, and we had loads of cab drivers phoning up, was the first one who phoned up to tell us that something was going on there. And I said, but who else would he call apart from LBC? You can't call anybody else. Nobody else has the facility that we do to take a call like that, to check it out, and then put somebody on air. And, that's, and that, that, that call went viral around the world. I mean, literally, more people now know who he is than knew who he was before. And loads of people knew who he was before. But we're just very grateful that, you know, cab drivers who spend all their time on the roads, if something's going on, they will phone up because they know that they can phone up LBC and there will be a phone-in programme or a producer there. It's not you're dealing with somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about. You're dealing with people who are ready and willing to listen to what somebody's saying. Um, I will play that uh, that piece back for you again because it's it, it's beginning to sound like request hour, isn't it? Really, but it's 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 the the call from the cab driver Chris, uh, who was the one who tried to ram uh, one of the people on the bridge, and that was that was a very touching phone call because what you you can hear just listen to his voice, listen to what he's saying, and uh, and this was uh, a little while ago. But, of course, he was talking to Nick Abbott, which is where the whole thing started, little knowing Nick Abbott on the programme, knowing exactly how things were going to unfurl. But this cab driver, Chris, uh, was the one who phoned Nick Abbott. I witnessed it. Uh, I didn't see the van actually mount the curb, but people started running away. I'm loving that cab driver. I had a gentleman in the back who just got in on Tooley Street just before London Bridge Station approach. And uh, he wanted to, only to go to the shop because he was lost. I saw the people running away, saw the van had went between one of the traffic light system. If you know London Bridge at all, there's an area called Nancy Steps, famous for the film in Oliver. He had knocked loads of people down there. Three guys jumped out of the same description as the guy that uh, took out the Manchester people, uh, similar in looks to him. And then they just had these long blades extremely hot, I'd say they were about 12 inches plus long, and just went randomly running along Borough High Street stabbing people. A young girl got stabbed in the chest, laying there. It's so sad. I spun my... As soon as I saw this, 
the gentleman out. I said, look, I'm going to try and hit him. I'm going to try and knock him down. He was just randomly stabbing people. So I spun the cab round. I was about to ram him. He sidestepped. There's three police officers come running towards him with their batons drawn. They didn't know what was happening. They were just running towards an incident. And, you know, bravery for them. You know, just wish them best because all they had armed was a, a baton. And they had it out and they were about to hit him. And he was, well, there were three of them. Two ran past them. The other guy with a really long blade, he was just randomly trying to stab at them. And they run towards Borough Market. I turned the cab round. I was shouting at everybody, just get away from the area, stay back, just run the other way. And literally, there was a good few hundred people out around there. They were all running down Southwark Street. Some of them, they didn't know what that. But I was saying to them, there's a terrorist incident. Stay away from this area, just move away. There was lots of people outside Southwark Tavern. It, it was one of the worst incidents. It sickened me to the pit of my stomach. It really did. But I wish I'd run the bastard down. It was an animal, an absolute animal. Sickening, really was. Just, and then literally, I didn't know what to do. There were two young girls who just picked them up and just took them away from there. And that was that, dropped them off as far away as possible. But so when you point. said the um, the uh, the attacker looked like the person that was responsible for Manchester, can you can you be more specific? Can you tell us what was, what, you look, what, tall, they, what they look like? Tall, a, you know, like a, a small goatee beard. I'd say he was about six three, six four. Very tall chap, uh, short cropped hair, dark clothing, like a hoodie, dull zip up, um, jeans, trainers holding an extremely long blade. Just didn't care who was approaching him. Anyone and everyone was going to get it. Anyone. And people were so shocked by it. I mean, there was a young girl. Just see it go straight through her. And I just thought, I've got three daughters. And when I saw that, I just, oh, just, it made me feel nauseous. It really did. And there, beyond that, outside Borough Market, there was just bodies laying along. I couldn't. I didn't stop to count how many, but one young girl sticks out in my mind, bleeding from her chest. It's horrible, absolutely horrible. And that was the description of one person, but you said that there were more. Is that right? Yeah, there was another one with a more of a little bit of a, a fuller kind of FRE sort of style hair, again with a tash. Oh, and oh, there was another oh, one. Oh, 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 what, him, oh, was, what kind of style hair again? Like a short. Like a permy sort of right. style, afro. But um, they were they were Mediterranean sort of appearance. They, you know, they weren't. Uh, you know, they were milky coloured skin. I suppose not not dark black. They were, but they were tall chaps. And uh, there was two that were behind him. The one that was doing the main stabbing. You know, they were pushing him through, kind of thing, and he was just stabbing at random. So what you saw was a van. First hit yeah. people. Van mounted. It must have came from London Bridge itself, and he's veered across the road towards the right hands of where Southwark uh, Cathedral is, and rammed it where the steps are. So there's lots of people coming up from the steps. He just rammed it towards them, wedged it in between the lamppost and the steps. So he's hit people there, and then they jumped out of the van and then just started to jog, just stabbing people randomly. And then there was a scattering of people. 
uh, and I saw this guy running. I, I just I thought I've got you got to stop him, and I just spun the cab around. Then the police, I saw three police officers running up on the pavement, and they had their batons drawn. They didn't know what was going on, but they saw people running, so they ran towards what was coming towards them, and that was the chap with the knife. And they, one of the guys, he randomly, you know, one of the police officers, rather, he he, he tried to batten him, but he had missed several times, but he had this really long blade, and he had the advantage of height above the police officer who was a bit, he wasn't, you know, the tallest of chaps. And uh, he sort of backed away, and the other two kind of backed away, because, and then he just carried on running, and stabbing people directly outside Borough Market. And I was shat. I just spun the cab around and just called to everyone, just run the opposite way, run the opposite way, just stay back, stay back. There's a terrorist attack. Just stay back and run. And uh, most of them did, fortunately. But they ran into Borough Market um, towards Stony Street, I believe, and they could have been anywhere, like a little labyrinth. So you didn't actually see the, uh, the these individuals who came out of the van... Being yes, I did. Uh, no, no, wait. Being um, apprehended by the police? No, they weren't. Not at all. They were. They were loose. They were loose, and they were in Borough Market somewhere around there. So they could be anywhere along the embankment there. They were running, just sta- stabbing people at random. Nick Abbott talking to Chris. It's amazing, actually, how many of our cab drivers are turning actually out to be very, very good reporters. They're very good at doing the uh, the scene study. Well done, Chris. Paul was the other one. We had quite a number of people over the, the past few days. Just let me uh, tell you something which which we're following up at the moment. We're getting reports in of gunshots around the Dagenham area. OK, we're on to the police at the moment. So if we have an update on that we will let you know at 18 minutes to five. So reports coming in of gunshots in Dagenham. If it turns out to be something, you'll hear more about it first on uh, LBC. Uh, some of your texts and emails. I want to try and get those in as, uh, as well this morning. Uh, somebody says, Steve, shame the PM didn't say enough is enough when she was Home Secretary. And uh, somebody says it's, uh, she's had six years to do this, plus another as the PM. I think it's time for change. Uh, another one that says uh, Nick Abbott did a amazing work on Saturday. Uh, a great talent, says John. Absolutely. Somebody wrote to me the other day and said, uh, it's interesting to hear you doing news. And in fact, you know, which is really quite odd because that's what I started doing on LBC years ago. Having covered two elections, four budgets and uh, numerous, the uh, going back to the Iranian embassy siege and uh, all the other things. And being a card carrying member of the NUJ for about 20 odd years. You just It's only because people then go, ah, you do light end. And I do, well, absolutely, I do light end now because I feel I can get more money and more mileage out of what uh, Daniela Westbrook does and Kerry Katona than uh, if anybody ever asked them their opinions on anything going on on the world stage because I don't think I'd really bother with that at all. Uh, I had LBC on and I heard the call from Chris. It was the beginning of a, a very worrying few hours, says Claire. One of my sons lives quite literally 100 metres from all the carnage in Borough. Luckily, he and his boyfriend decided not to go out but to stay in. He could hear all the noise, but at least they were safe. Yes, I mean, I know loads of people who live around there. Loads of people. It's, it's a busy, busy area. It's, it's bustling. It's serious. It's, you know, as I've said before a million times, we're not going to just sort of go, right, we're not going to go out because we're frightened to go out. Sod them. I'm not frightened to go out. I'm going out. I'm walking, you know, around London. Well, not necessarily all around London, because I'm just not not that uh, fit. Steve, the reason this spawn of pond life wore fake bomb vests, apart from uh, not being able to make them, 
uh, was to instil panic and fear and to ensure that they weren't taken alive. Because armed police can only shoot them in the head to prevent the device going off. Well, I think in this particular case, the one who they... Um, who was pictured in the papers, I think he was clutching his throat. Because they didn't know until they actually shot them dead that these things... But they would have had dead man's handles on. We were discussing this with our reporter Vincent McAvinney the other day, that they hold these dead man's handles like on the train. So, in other words, if they're killed, their hand releases the thing and it, and it blows up. But, of course, they were fake because they were little girls' blouses. I say, that must be really embarrassing for one of them. You know, married with, with children, as far as we know. And you think, well, you know... <laughs> What else do we know about these people? What else do we know? I mean, what do you say? Daddy blew himself up? No, Daddy was blown to pieces by the police because Daddy was a murderer. Disgusting, isn't it, really? Straight to hell. Steve, the Saudis fund our mosques. Do they? Good Lord. So they must have influence in what they teach in them. We sell them arms and make deals with them. Is our government turning a blind eye? We send foreign aid to North Korea. Why? Can we rejoin the EU and dump the evil governments? Are our royals too close to Saudi Arabia? Is it really just the public who mean enough is enough, says Sue? Possibly. I didn't know that the Saudis funded uh, mosques and stuff like that. But uh, but you're looking at a, at a regime. You're quite right. I mean, they do turn a blind eye to it. The royals go there and kowtow to the royal family because they've got more money than God. And so uh, that means an awful lot, I should imagine. Still to come, the Daily Mirror, the attack on Britain, the monsters and heroes. The unarmed police and the public confronting the London attackers and the Ariana Grande backing for the One Love Manchester gig. The only surprising thing about the gig is and it didn't it didn't float my boat. I have to be brutally honest. I did see bits. It's very nice and it's very laudable and it raises loads and loads of money, which is fantastic. I'm just not a big fan of these sort of concerts thrown together. And it's just me personally, maybe because I'm too old. You know, the very idea of being in an arena with 50,000 people or 20,000 people fills me with horror. The only thing I always question, actually, is that, uh, generally speaking, Dan Wooten, uh, Dan Wooten writes for The Sun. He's got the little bizarre column with a little team of, um, of lackeys who basically do the job for him. And, uh, and then he takes the glory. Nowhere near Manchester. It's the assistant deputy of the bizarre column who's done it. So obviously Dan was elsewhere, perhaps having Botox or something, I don't know. But whatever it was, he either didn't make it to the concert or thought it was beneath himself to actually just be a reporter on it. So they've given it to somebody else. Or perhaps he's on holiday. Either way, very unwise time to be on holiday. There must be some reason for it. No doubt somebody will be able to tell me. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. We're getting uh, reports in of gunshot fire, which I reported to you about ten minutes ago over in Dagenham. Somebody's tweeted a, a picture. I don't what. It, how light is it out there? Because the picture I got tweeted in looked as though it was daylight. Are we actually in daylight? It's getting light. That picture maybe looked a bit too light for me that we had. I was sort of looking at it, thinking that doesn't look like it's it's ten to five in the morning. It's of um, of what looks like a, a squad of uh, coppers, a bit further east. OK, well, we'll we'll check that one out anyway. Passed it on to the, uh, uh, the news desk. Papers this morning. Police uncover YouTube link to London terror attack uh, at the top writers. For the Daily Telegraph, uh, talking today about uh, what must be done to confront the Islamist evil. Um, and uh, it's interesting because Alison Pearson said, if mosques which preach hatred of the West need to be closed, then we should do it. Juliet Samuel says even our own leaders admit that we've not worked out how to foster better integration. What did I see the other day on a television? It was a television debate. Might have been somebody from uh, from one of the political parties, the one so far left it had fallen off the edge, who didn't seem to get very much support at the last, uh, at the last outing, and uh, basically saying that the majority of, um, of Muslim women hardly speak English. 
which I thought was a sweeping generalisation, quite rightly, was booed by the audience. It was, it was becoming one of those bear-baiting programmes. Everything that's on the television is bear-baiting. But I predict this week all people will be talking about is this and the election and praying that nothing else happens. But it will. Something else will happen wherever you get a lot of people together, just when you think your guard is down. Bearing in mind, we had critical and then they lowered that, didn't they? But then, obviously, we should have stuck with critical, as the Prime Minister was saying. Well, you know, that means that there is something imminent. And it was. Blow me down. It was round the corner. Round the corner. Uh, the star today, Heroes, the amazing eight-minute armed police response and the brave revellers who saved dozens of lives. Yeah, people literally putting their, their sort of lives really before anything else at all. Uh, the raid on the flats where the killer suspects live. And uh, also people who are offering cups of tea and all sorts of things to people and uh, and helping them out and saying, listen, you know, what, what can we do to help you? Because it's for people who've never seen anything like that, for people who and, you know, I think I would have to put my hand up exactly the same as everybody else and say, I've never been in a situation like that. Unfortunately, as you report the news and as you hear the news and as you read the papers and you look through the pictures and you hear some of the horrendous stories, it, it kind of deadens the senses. You suddenly st- you start thinking, oh, right, you know, so six people were killed here. Over in, you know, Kabul, 80 people were murdered, you know, by a car bomb. And you think, good God, I mean, that's, that would be our worst ever, wouldn't it? You know, bad enough with 20-plus people up in Manchester. And again, it's not something that we're used to. We don't live with this. But around the world, there are people who live with this kind of thing on a daily basis. They go out to the shops never knowing whether they're coming back again. At least we can think... That, you know, in certain parts of the country, somebody found up earlier on and it, it struck me as being really stupid. But at the same time, it was quite it was quite revealing who said that you never hear about, you know, terrorists from Somerset or anything like that. Do you? It's always from sort of sort of certain cities and towns where you associate terrorists being. But having discovered that these people can be anybody, they can be living in a flat next door to you probably going out for cups of tea, chatting away with your children and their children, and you wouldn't have the faintest idea that they harbour these thoughts because it doesn't seem to make any difference who they kill. They could have been Muslims on this bridge. They could have been anybody at all. They could have been, you know, people suffering from cancers or whatever it happened. They don't know that. They don't care. The Prime Minister vowing to crush the Islam extremists is like basically looking for the needle in the haystack. Earlier this hour, we heard the words of the Prime Minister... Theresa May, as she reacted to Saturday night's attack, well, yesterday evening, the Labour leader, Jeremy Corbyn, spoke to an audience in Carlisle with his thoughts. Those who wish to harm our people, divide our communities and attack our democracy will not succeed. Our values of solidarity, humanity and justice will prevail. (laughs) The, The violence and brutality of last night's attack The targeting of innocent people going about their ordinary business is a depravity familiar from similar attacks in Manchester, across Europe, the Middle East and beyond. That is why we're ready to consider whatever proposals may be brought forward by the police and security services more effectively to deal with the terrorist threat. If Labour is elected, I will commission a report from the security services on Friday on the changing nature of the terrorist threat. Our priority must be public safety, and I will take whatever action is necessary and effective to protect the security of our people and our country. That includes full authority for the police to use whatever force is necessary to protect and save life, as they did last night, as they did in Westminster in March. 
You cannot protect the public on the cheap. The police and security services must get the resources they need, not 20,000 police cuts. Theresa May was warned by the police federation, but she accused them of crying wolf. As Labour has set out in our manifesto, we will recruit another 10,000 new police officers, including more armed police, who need to be properly rewarded, as well as 1,000 more security service staff to support our communities and help keep us safe. But it is the timing of yesterday's attack that we must also address today. The aim of the terrorists is plainly to derail our democracy and disrupt or even halt this election. The general election is, of course, about the democratic choice between Labour and Conservative parties and our very different visions and plans for the future of our country. But it's also now about something even bigger. It's about the struggle between terrorism and democracy itself. The mass murderers who brought terror to our streets in London and Manchester want our election halted they want our democracy halted. They want their violence to overwhelm our right to vote in a fair and peaceful election to go about our lives freely. That is why there can be no doubt that next Thursday's vote must go ahead. Neither can we suspend our campaigning. Across London today, people have been carrying on, upset and appalled, but carrying on. To act otherwise would be to hand the twisted, depraved strategists of ISIS the political victory they crave. That is right, that we return to the choices the British people face on June the 8th in the sure and certain knowledge that we have together, whatever our party views, already made the choice between democracy and terrorism, between freedom and fear. Jeremy Corbyn reacting to Saturday night's attack here in London. I do take issue on one thing, though, when he was talking about the amount of police officers we don't have. It wouldn't have made any difference had we had more police officers, because the police officers who attended this scene were there and stopped anything happening after eight minutes. It could have been worse. So I think they did phenomenally well. I think, I mean, really, you know, I know people are so easy to criticise the police nowadays. But in fact, in this particular case, the police, the emergency services, they're all on exactly the same level as far as I'm concerned. Thank God for them. Thank God for them. That's what they do. I shouldn't imagine that's what they want to do. But uh, that's what they were doing. They were, sort of, you know, and people were rallying together because that's what we do in this country. We rally together. I couldn't care less whether you're black, white, pink, green, gay, straight, bisexual, lesbian, transgender. I don't care. We're all in the same melting pot. We're all going to the same place when we die. It's going to be very crowded, though, isn't it, really, when you think about it? I mean, heaven, if there is such a place. And I, I always imagined what heaven would be like. You know, when you're a child, you, people talk about heaven. You go to church and they talk about heaven. And I think, well, do we all get our own clouds? Do we all, you know, will there be a shop up there? Will I be able to get a milkshake? All the sort of things you think about. And then you sort of think, but how are we going to converse with? There'll be all sorts of people up there. Young people, old people, very, very old people. Now we're included... Well, actually, no, the terrorists won't be anywhere near us, will they? They go straight to hell, even though contrary to whatever they seem to believe, they perhaps think they go to a better place. Kevin the Milkman says, I've just delivered uh, round by London Bridge, Borough High Street and Southwark Street, partially closed. Tooley Street open, but you can only get to London Bridge northbound. London Bridge southbound is still closed. All streets to the north side of London Bridge are open. I'm working as usually, says. Nobody will ever close London. Do you know, I just have this 
picture in my mind, Kevin, of you and your milk float going over London, and all you can hear is the sound of the of the bottles rattling in crates. But of course, as everything's probably cartons now and stuff like that, there probably is no rattling a milk bottle. Oh no, there is because he does do milk bottles. We know that. So the rattling going over there, and uh, I think there should be a thing up on the television which should be put up by the mayor. They should pay for an advert to go. London is open for business, twenty four hours a day. Thank you very much. That's what they should do, and then have you know just just something. Something that means to all those people that, you know, those people who must be absolutely knackered after that uh, that night at Borough. Well, you go out there and you think you're going to be having, you know, your nice evening, little realising that there are three people hell-bent on destroying your night. Luckily, their night has been destroyed and their families' lives destroyed forever, but that's obviously what they intended to happen. So, you know, far be it from me to try and change anybody's mind on that. You know, if it was your father, if it was your uncle, if it was your cousin, well, then he's obviously gone to a much worse place. So that can only be good news. Coming up to the news at five, shorter than usual, Steve Allen programme this morning. Nick Ferrari's got a special which starts at six o'clock this morning. So I'm only here until six o'clock. And as you can well imagine, only because it just doesn't seem quite right. There won't be a free podcast for today. Also, we didn't get the repeating of the In Conversation with Brian May and Johnny Ball. So if you go to the LBC website, I think you'll be able to download that programme. I'll have a check for you and then let you know whether or not it can be downloaded. Heading up to the news at five o'clock, Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. A somewhat more sombre programme than the usual uh, fare that I offer you this morning. The front pages of the papers, enough is enough. We've had enough of it, but uh, I suspect there is more to come. The jihadi killer in an Arsenal shirt, three people dead on the front page of The Sun, The Mirror, The Monsters and The Heroes. The Monsters are the three dead people, uh, the attack on Britain. The heroes, though, the people who went over and above, that'd be the police, the ambulance services, uh, that'd be the SAS who turned up in a, in a helicopter, which we weren't aware of before. Plus, the Prime Minister saying is enough is enough. And the neighbour who reported one of the suspects two years ago. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have your company. Well, I say it's nice to have your company. It's another one of those days where I sort of, I wake up and I think, oh, dear. What is the world coming to? You probably think exactly the same, don't you? Let's face it, over the past few weeks, few months, we've certainly been turned upside down, but it doesn't stop us doing anything. It doesn't deter us from doing anything. We just, uh, we sort of, we just carry on, don't we? And that's what I like about the spirit in this country. I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's amazing. I think we're amazing. Uh, Michael Dennis, the black cab poet says the events of Saturday night uh, struck a particular chord with me. Saturday was my youngest daughter's 18th birthday. She went out clubbing in Kingston for the first time with her sister and friends. I was filled with dread. Naturally, says I'll always worry, but I won't let these sickos dictate to me and my family. And um, he says here, when you test our resolve, we strengthen and evolve. Keep calm with all our might. Resist and do what's right. London lives. London gives. Life. We don't, we don't give up, do we? We don't. I would hate to think that we were going to just sort of hold our hands up and go, go on, do whatever you like. No, no, no. We will fight you every step of the way. Once we find you, we will, well, I was going to say incarcerate, but I don't really think incarcerate is the right thing. I think we should find out more about them. Carol says being able to listen to LBC has been a godsend during Westminster, Manchester and the London Bridge attack. So thank you. And uh, somebody says in response to a couple of texts you read out earlier with people criticising Theresa May for not doing more when she was Home Secretary, she tried very hard to implement and suggested several law changes in 2015, including the Snoopers Charter to clamp down on terrorism and intelligence. But all were rejected in Parliament and criticised. She tried 
but the government didn't have enough of a majority to push the, uh, the laws through. Time to get tough, says James in Fulham, and make changes, but we need a government, a big enough margin in order to make these changes. It's, it's when she says, and I'll, I still stand by it, she says enough is enough, and you go, and what do you think we can do? All of these attacks happened. We didn't have any advanced warning, at least with the IRA. There would be some warning given if a bomb was going to go off. With these people, you don't know. They're not intelligent enough anyway. And uh, I heard on the news the Red Cross are overseeing the new charity for the victims. You wondered about who would be in charge, says Dean. I did, actually, yes. I saw the sign at the Ariana Grande concert. Isn't it strange? A month ago, I had no idea who Ariana Grande was or is. I said, and it's only recently, because of those terrible events in Manchester, that I'm aware of, of who she is. Up until then, she didn't, uh, she didn't feature at all. I had no idea. But uh, now she's known, but for all the wrong reasons. She's the one who people say, ah, you know, that was, you know, that was the person whose concert was taking place in Manchester when the bomber was up there. Joe in Acton says Chris Martin and Coldplay were the class act last night. And uh, thank you for that. Steve, all praise for the police, but one member of the public was shot so one of those brave souls is going to be hauled over the coals and possibly hounded out of their job, says Leon. I don't think they will be. I think it was a case of uh, that would be mistaken identity. Cressida Dick, I think, is going to be with Nick Ferrari this morning on uh, LBC. She gave a very good speech the other day. Very good speech. So no doubt. Again, they're, you know, for the, for the police, they are stretched. I think they did a, a fantastic job. It's dreadful, dreadful, dreadful that people's lives were lost. But people will be going about their daily business around the area today. Seriously, they will be. Because you just can't stop, can you? You have to keep going. You have to keep going. You can't let anything like this beat us. We have a resolve. And the resolve is that we're sticking two fingers up to these people. You know, the fact that they want to go out there and kill themselves. As I say, go and sit in a field in the middle of nowhere and kill yourselves. I couldn't care less, you know. But uh, don't involve us. Nothing to do with us at all. Um... Uh, Jason, my sovereign driver, says, just on my way to London Bridge now. Hearts go out to all killed and injured. Terrorists, your low life and still won't stop us doing our everyday things. No, it won't happen. It really will not happen. Sometimes you could you could just weep at the sheer frustration of it all for the people who you heard on the uh, the news, that woman who was who was killed. She probably wouldn't even understand why somebody would want to do that to her. People who didn't even know her. That's the worst thing. Men. I wouldn't have said a really rude word then, I'm sorry. I had to hold myself back just for a brief moment. I nearly said something totally out of character for me. Well, I mean, not totally out of character, but certainly not uh, for your uh, your ears on the radio. But uh, you look at these people, they were scum. They can kill women. Filth. Absolute filth. Disgusting people. Uh, the van went north to south over London Bridge. That means it would be driven through the city of London's Ring of Steel. Why weren't the checkpoints manned? They haven't been manned for ages. The, the 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 checkpoints that I don't I've been I've been through the city of London on numerous occasions. There are checkpoints there, but there's nobody on them. He says a hire van with three Muslim men wearing combat clothing. Well, I don't know. I mean, presumably the cameras are working, and presumably the cameras will be able to truck the uh, track the van. But it's also fairly dark. You can't. I mean, you know, I could drive past. You wouldn't know what I was wearing inside there. You wouldn't be thinking about that. But uh, the, there is no, as far as I know, within the Ring of Steel. That was only that was years ago. They haven't used those checkpoints for Agent 8. They probably will now. But again, this is uh, up to us to make sure that we've got more police on the street, more more detectives, more people warning people that if you go to areas which are particularly crowded, well, then there could be a certain risk. There might be a certain risk. But, you know, if we say that to people all the time, people start saying, well, I'm not going to go out. And we don't want people not to go out. We want people to go out. You know, we're not going to let people spoil your enjoyment just because they're miserable little so-and-sos. 
You don't want to sort of, you know, be targeted with the misery that's in their life. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, whether or not putting bollards on all the bridges is going to be the way forward, I don't know. I really don't know. Is it going to keep pedestrians... Uh, but, I mean, on the other hand, all we need to do with these people is sort of... They might be equipped with guns next time round. You know, they might not have to mount the pavement. They might just sort of, you know, kill people indiscriminately. For some reason, they've got this thing about wanting to kill people. I don't quite understand. You know, not that they're intelligent enough to actually run anything themselves. They couldn't even run a bath, I shouldn't imagine. But uh, they have to sort of do it, and they have to look as though they're really big and tough. Not big and tough lying dead on the front page of a paper this morning. No martyr there. No martyr there, I'm afraid. Uh, so we'll run through the uh, the front pages of the uh, of the papers. And uh, we've got some more clips for you this morning just to bring you up to speed. Nick Ferrari will be starting at six o'clock today uh, and uh, he'll be doing a special programme with, as I say, Cressida Dick, who will be on the programme as well, running through uh, exactly what we think we're going to be doing, how we're going to do it. And it's up to you. You're the people who can do something. You're the people who can change it. Most of these pictures on the front pages of the papers today would have come from you. They would have come from members of the public because they're just people who've got their camera phones and they've taken pictures or these are body cams from the police. I don't know. Uh, Steve, what an amazing account given to Nick Abbott by the cabbie and such a shame the three policemen weren't armed with tasers instead of batons. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't think we get back to normal just yet, Mark. I don't think it's just yet. I think, I think out of due deference to the people who were, who were injured and the people who lost their lives... I think you have to just have a certain air of of respect, I think, for these people. Because if it was a member of your family, you'd be going, you know, it'd be nice to hear somebody saying something nice about these people. And you will have a list of names probably by the end of today of the people who, who lost their lives. And we will know exactly the identities of these three murdering pieces of filth. Uh, one of whom is pictured... Well, in fact, they're all pictured dead on the front page of the papers, but the pictures are so bad. I'm assuming it must have come from body cams. I can't believe a member of the public would have been allowed to get uh, so close to it. Uh, bloody day. All of Britain said enough is enough. And uh, they've got uh, also two of these swaggering jihadis uh, during the killing spree, just walking down the rows. Pathetic little waste of space, aren't they? Look like big girls' blouses, but uh, big dead girls' blouses now. Front page of The Guardian... Uh, Twelve people taken into custody after these police raids in East London. Uh, among the dead and the wounded, two French, a Canadian and an Australian, because um, it's a tourist area. Loads of people go, Where, where's, you know, where's, where's it happening in London? And people say, well, London Bridge, Borough Market, round there. There's lots of uh, bars and clubs. Uh, an unprecedented 50 rounds fired by the officers, but at least it brought them down. So that was good news. There was a, uh, an innocent person there. Uh, also, the race now to find out if the attackers had a support network. Uh, one of the neighbours reported the suspect two years ago. And uh, whether they were under surveillance, I've got no idea. You, you keep saying, were they under surveillance, Steve? Were they not under surveillance? Presumably, if they were, then they, uh, they would have been watched. However, the problem is that they've got about 500 of these sightings going on and people reporting things. We just don't have the manpower. We seriously don't have the manpower. And I was speaking... Uh, yesterday to somebody who said exactly the same. If we had more people who wanted to go and work for the security services, we might better deal with these things better. But I don't think you do. When they've taken women into custody, you know, women who might or might not be involved. I mean, if they're involved, then they're filth. You know, but they're obviously delusional, sad people. 
you know, the sort of people who should be shunned in shops as far as I'm concerned. If you were bringing it down to a basic, you'd be going, no, I think you're related to these people. Get out. We're not serving you at all. And grow your own vegetables. But uh, 50 rounds and they've got a picture of of the uh, the armed counter-terrorism officers near the scene. A police cordon still in place around uh, London Bridge. Do you know that police and MI5 have in recent days been reviewing a pool of 20,000 former terror suspects to see if they need to be reassessed? I think what they've got to do is find people at the airports coming back into the country. You know, and uh, and I think really, uh, you know, people should be checked. If they've come back from Libya or Syria, a place like that, then they should be taken to one side. And if we have any... Any doubt whatsoever, refused access. Refused access. Um, uh, It's very interesting. We've been hearing this morning reports of loud bangs in the Dagenham area of East London, which is not too far from where the the raid took place yesterday. If you're driving that way, uh, Joanne will bring you more in the travel in uh, in a moment. Uh, We'd also need your help as well if there's anything that you've seen around there. Uh, then do let us know, 84850, steve at uk. Police will tell us more about uh, what they've been doing later. There are reports that they've been carrying out a raid, which is linked to what happened on Saturday. We'll have confirmation of that later. But if you're around there and you can tell us any any road closures, anything else, it's always very useful. Let's, uh, let's work together on this one. You can help us out, and then we, in turn, can help everybody else out as well so uh, there are reports that the police in Dagenham are carrying out a raid which is what we suspected it was which is linked to what happened on Saturday so 12 people already taken into custody uh, many covering their faces can't imagine why can't imagine why you want to cover your face but uh, this is in Dagenham where these uh, these explosions loud bangs could be gunfire we don't know but uh, we'll find out a little bit later on you're listening to a podcast from LBC Morning, everybody. It's Steve Allen with you till six this morning. Nick Ferrari's got a special uh, programme which kicks off at six today. Uh, another fanatic slipping through the net. It's interesting that the um, the leader of this little group of fanatics apparently appeared on a TV documentary last year about British jihadis. Uh, he was also caught on camera alongside two notorious preachers who were well known to police and intelligence officials. And um, and then it turns out that they've had some women in the area where he comes from, saying he never spoke to women, he could, he could only speak to men. And um, there's uh, another one here. Police raided this mother and baby unit in Barking, uh, blowing off the doors in the early hours and taking away a woman and her daughter. The woman's partner, a Tunisian man, from whom she's estranged, is believed to be among those being questioned. Uh, then in nearby East Ham, a suspect attempted to climb... An escape from police, he crawled out of his first floor bedroom window above a bookmaker's. It emerged yesterday. He previously worked for London Transport and a branch of uh, KFC. A neighbour described how the man appeared to be euphoric just hours before the Saturday night attack and was asking about how to hire a van. But once again, uh, attention was focused on the intelligence failures that may have allowed him to slip the net. And uh, they've got pictures of two of these uh, murdering scum uh, walking through Borough Market before mowing down the uh, pedestrians. As I say, one of them in an Arsenal shirt, the other in a hooded top. As I say, they were about to meet their maker, uh, the police. Uh, and everybody else says, we've been far too tolerant, far too tolerant with these people. And uh, it's about time that somebody clamped down on it. How? I have no idea. I wish I knew the answers. I don't have any more answers than I think. I think the government have. Uh, Twelve arrested in raids, as the neighbours say he wanted to hire a van one day earlier, which, as I reported, they've got pictures of uh, uh, three of the suspects held, one being a woman who's covering her face completely, and uh, also the Arsenal jihadi 
The male know the identity of the terrorist, but he's, uh, they've chosen not to name him at the request of the police. Uh, also, a detective's notes, which they've got. How they got hold of these, I've got no idea. That suggests the suspect was known to the terror police. And the bridge terrorist links to extremist preachers because they are always, they're always influenced by people much older and much more stupid than they are, uh, who, of course, distance themselves as quickly as possible. Once these people have uh, had themselves killed, I don't know where they think they're going to, hell and back, I should imagine. Uh, the knife maniac screaming, this is for Allah. Unfortunately, their version of Allah is completely different from anybody else's version. And, uh, and then one of the, the dozens of people hit by the speeding vehicle. Uh, whether or not it now means that we have to put uh, bollards on every bridge in London. And we worked out how many? 33 bridges in London. That's, as they say in the business, a lot of bollards, ladies and gentlemen. So you'd have to put those up there. Would it stop anything like this happening? No, they'll just think of something else. You have to be one step ahead of them. And we don't seem to be one step ahead when we can't even do this. They've got pictures of people hiding in uh, in the pub, crouching here, using the tables as some sort of weapon. I mean, luckily, the uh, the bombers, these terrorists, weren't equipped with anything at all apart from knives. But they could do enough damage with knives. But they didn't have guns. If they'd had guns, God knows what would have gone on. But uh, there is one picture in the paper which I suppose can make you smile a little bit. It's a bloke who was obviously determined not to give his pint up. He'd obviously just bought his pint, and so he's pictured walking along the street holding it, and he never spilt a drop. So he apparently said it cost me £5.50. If you think I'm giving it up, you've got another thing coming. It's very expensive around there, very expensive. Eight minutes, which turns Saturday night into carnage, and uh, they've got everything where it all started. They've got the, uh, the pictures, the route of the van, the path of the attackers. So the van goes over the bridge, and uh, then it was the Barrow Boy and the Banker Pub and Borrow Bistro. The van crashed into the railings. Jihadis get out and start attacking passers-by. It's not the thing you expect to see, is it, really? If you've been walking along that area and a van crashes, but then people get out and you think, oh, they're just going to be dazed. No, no, no. They then came with them uh, with knives and everything else. So it's very close to London Bridge Station. Uh, the Globe Tavern they walk down to. Then they go down past the station into Borough Market, the Southwark Tavern. And then the wheat sheaf, the attackers were shot outside, and the market porter pub. The video shows the attackers casually walking up the street, and uh, all within a very short space of time. Very short space of time. But uh, if it wasn't for the reports from those London cabbies that Nick Abbott got on his programme, we wouldn't have even have had those bits filled in for us. Uh, also, the waitress, uh, it hurt a little bit, uh, and also the tragic sweethearts in hospital and off duty. Officer knifed in the struggle. That's what the papers are full of today. I don't think there is any other news apart from the concert with Ariana Grande and a load of uh, pop stars up there in Manchester. 50,000 people went there. 50,000 people absolutely loved it. That interestingly enough, hours after the latest horror, ISIS terror guides are still online. An Islamic State manual telling followers not to be squeamish about slitting people's throats was circulated on Google and Twitter. Ridiculous, isn't it? It's funny, it's always put out by the big girls' blouses who appear to be sort of the ones behind it. But who they are, God alone knows. Uh, also in the paper today, they're talking, we've already heard from um, from Theresa May and we've also heard from Mr Corbyn as well. Well, let's hear now on the fine job that the police did. Mark Rowley is the Assistant Commissioner of the Metropolitan Police and he updated the media yesterday afternoon. The investigation is progressing at a pace and officers from the Met's Counter-Terrorism Command and the National Counterterrorism Policing Network are working with UK intelligence partners relentlessly to piece together exactly what happened last night. We've already made good progress, but there, of course, remains much more to do. And we are making significant progress now in identifying 
the three attackers and confirming the fact that there were no other suspects at the scene when the attack was carried out. Work is ongoing to understand more about them, about their connections and about whether they were assisted or supported by anyone else. As I think you're aware, there are searches ongoing in East London and 12 arrests have already been made. There is clearly more to do and we will work relentlessly to get to the, get to the facts. We have established that the van used during the attack was a white Renault van that was recently hired by one of the attackers. As our understanding grows, we now understand that the van at London Bridge um, started the attack at 21.58 hours yesterday as it went from north to south on the river, with members of the public calling police a few minutes later. The van mounted the pavement and collided with pedestrians before being abandoned, where attackers were armed with knives, continued into the borough market area, stabbing numerous people. The attackers were then confronted by the firearms officers, and I can confirm that eight police firearms officers discharged their weapons. Whilst this will be subject to an investigation by the IPCCC, our initial assessment is in a region of 50 rounds, in the region of 50 bullets were fired by those eight officers. The three attackers were shot dead. The situation these officers were confronted with was critical. A matter of life and death. Three armed men wearing what appeared to be suicide belts. They had already attacked and killed members of the public and had to be stopped immediately. Indeed, I'm not surprised that when faced um, with what they must have feared were three suicide bombers, the firearms officers fired an unprecedented number of rounds to be completely confident that they had neutralised the threat that those men posed. I am humbled by the bravery of an officer who will rush towards a potential suicide bomber thinking only of protecting others. As the officers confronted the terrorist, a member of the public also suffered a gunshot wound. Although the injuries are not critical in nature, they are in hospital receiving medical attention and we will of course keep you updated on that. Seven people have been killed in addition to the three attackers. Work to inform the next of kin of the victims is ongoing and this may take some time as we believe some of the victims are from abroad. On top of that, we have 36 people remaining in hospital suffering from a range of injuries. Some of these are extremely serious and 21 remain in critical condition. You will have heard today about the British Transport Police uh, officer who sustained injuries in the attack responding, uh, responding to the incident. I can also confirm that an off-duty Metropolitan Police officer based on Southwark Borough was caught up in the attack. Fortunately, he has not suffered life-threatening injuries. He remains in hospital. The investigation team are taking statements from hundreds of witnesses and I again appeal to anybody with information or footage on the incident to make contact with the police. The cordons in place around London Bridge and around Borough Market area will remain in place for, for a little while yet and we'd encourage the public to avoid, uh, avoid the area whilst our investigation continues. This is likely to have some impact on travel arrangements in the first part of tomorrow morning and we'd ask everyone to check with their travel operators and seek alternate routes where necessary. Now, the public can expect to see additional police, both armed and unarmed, across the capital over forthcoming days, and our security plans and policing plans for forthcoming events are being reviewed. You will also see increased physical measures 
in order to keep the public safe on London's bridges. Finally, I ask the public to remain calm but vigilant, and if you see anything suspicious, no matter how insignificant you think it might be, please don't hesitate to contact the police, either on 999 or the anti-terrorism hotline 0800 789 321. Mark Rowley, the Assistant Commissioner of the Metropolitan Police, updating the media yesterday afternoon. Just before we go to the news at uh, 5.30, Sonia says my daughter had her guardian angel looking out for her on Saturday evening. She celebrated her birthday this week. They had booked to go to a restaurant in Borough Market. On the way, they found somewhere else which was near Bishopsgate. And at 8pm, they cancelled the borough booking. Lucky escape, actually. Yes, I can well imagine. It's a very popular area of London, whichever way you look at it. Uh, Amber says, uh, another day, London, hold your heads up. We're now better than that to let terrorism intimidate us. Yes, I agree with you. Absolutely. And it makes sense, says Tony, to bring back the death sentence. Unless there is doubt, then don't use it. We have to use uh, for uh, the like. Terrorists are barbaric. They must laugh at our punishment. Well, the the death penalty wouldn't solve anything at all. These people wouldn't be remotely bothered by the death penalty. They're going to die anyway. Why would they be worried by a death penalty? That would be that would be martyrdom, I should imagine, for them. In their tiny pea brains, they probably think that something like that is uh, is brilliant. But of course, the, the death penalty would not be. At one time, they were saying, "Let's bring back the death penalty for the murder of police officers or the murder of children." Well, now you get children murdering other children. What are you going to do? Sort of string thirteen-year-olds up? Just not going to be physically possible. It would never be a deterrent, even in America, where they have you know far more crime than we do and far more far more dangerous crime. The the death penalty doesn't solve. Anything. But uh, I'm willing to accept the argument, I think. Uh, so I don't think the death penalty would work. I don't know what the what the answer is to it. I don't think anybody knows what the answer. I don't think um, I don't think Corbyn knows the answer. I don't think Theresa May knows. it. I don't think any of the parties have the answer because we're we're blinkered. We have no idea. If we knew about all these things in advance, we might be able to plan something. Somebody says that, you know, if, if all police officers were armed, then we could have stopped something like this and they wouldn't have tried to tackle them with batons. Arm all police officers now. I don't think that's a good idea either. I think that that could lay itself wide open to all sorts of abuse. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. With you until uh, six o'clock this morning. Nick Ferrari is going to start his programme at six o'clock with a with a special looking at the activity over the uh, the weekend. It's an extended edition. He'll bring you the very latest reaction to the events in London Bridge on Saturday night with in-depth analysis from experts and leading politicians. He was speaking to eyewitnesses, cabinet and shadow cabinet ministers. And finally, the Metropolitan Police Commissioner herself, Cressida Dick. That's all with a special extended edition of Nick Ferrari at breakfast, six o'clock this morning on LBC. Uh, So there is no free podcast for today uh, and uh, it'll be back uh, tomorrow. I hope. Frank says, you think the government should install bollards in London to protect people from car terror attacks? Um, well, I don't think it'll make any difference because there's uh, 33 bridges in London. It's going to cost a small fortune, isn't it, to start putting all these in. So there's more money got to be found. Will that stop it? I shouldn't think so. They'll just find something else to do. There'll be something else completely different as opposed to... We've only seen a, a couple of these, haven't we? So it's, it's relatively new. We're sort of... It's a suck-it-and-see situation. We're learning 
uh, all the time as we go on. We're learning that they don't really have any regard for their own life, let alone anybody else's life. And once you've lost that self-esteem, and quite clearly they must have no self-respect for themselves, for their parents, for their wives, their children. I mean, really, if they just want to be known as murderers, well, that's fine. If that's the, the best they're going to get out of life, that's the best they're going to get out of life. Not so great, is it? What's annoying me, Steve, says uh, Mark, is why... Uh, why does the IPCC have to investigate that the brave police officers discharge their weapons? Well, they have to. They always have to. They always they would have to. In, they would have to do that anyway, no matter who they shot dead, be it terrorists or whatever. They would have to then account for the amount of bullets that they fired. It's a, you wouldn't believe how complicated this isn't just a matter of going out there arming the police and the police can fire indiscriminately. Everything will have to be accounted for. They will have to be letting people know exactly what went on. Everything is written down. Everything. You will see there will be a complete dossier of every gun that was issued, every bullet that was fired, the guns that weren't fired, all of that. Everything will be written down. So they have to do it. And if somebody innocent gets caught up in the crossfire, that has to be written about as well. They have to discover, you know, whether or not this person was shot deliberately or whether it was a bullet that bounced off somebody. We don't know. They have to investigate all of that. And that's why it takes for ages. Seriously, every time anything like this happens, it just takes for a long, long time. Uh, the Daily Mirror, the monsters, three killers. Uh, we did think originally that we were looking for somebody else. Uh, we thought maybe one or two other people. And then we decided that there was no anybody else at all. We think there were just three and um, the attack on Britain, the panic and the fear on the streets, uh, and all sorts of people, uh, people in hospital. Uh, Elizabeth O'Neill says, this man ran up to my son and stuck a knife right in him. This is what, this is what you were dealing with. You were dealing with people who couldn't really uh, care less about other people's lives. They have no, no, uh, no respect whatsoever. Over in Barking, uh, the cops swooping there, handcuffed suspects face down on the ground. Um, and a woman there as well. I think there's four women, four or five women and four men. Uh, whatever it is, it's, uh, it's a bit, one person has been released. Uh, also, the attack on Britain, the revellers who fought back. It was interesting to watch the footage of the police going in the public gate. Down on the ground, down on the ground now, and people went down. Bearing in mind, no shots had been fired up until this moment. These were knife killers out there, people hurling tables, chairs and glasses. They weren't going to stand back. Absolutely. I mean, for nothing else, you're going to protect your drink to the very last, aren't you? Uh, plus, uh, somebody says, I looked into his eyes and thought he was going to pull the pin and blow us up. One of the diners tells of fear for life in the cafe. People couldn't get out uh, quick enough because it was just so dangerous. The Prime Minister vowing to defeat the copycat terrorism threat and the tolerance of extremism as Corbyn slams her record on police cuts. But the police cuts would have made no difference to this whatsoever. Eight minutes they took these people out in. That's something we should be immensely uh, proud of. Immensely proud of. Um, this is just in from the police. Uh, they say at around 4.15 on Monday the 5th of June, officers from the Met's Counter-Terrorism Command investigating the London Bridge terror attack entered two further addresses, one in Newham, Another in Barking. A number of people have been detained and are at present being spoken to. Searches are going on at both addresses. We did that literally, and um, I think we did it about an hour ago. We did uh, that we'd heard gunshots and things like that. That would be the police getting in uh, entry. And we were able to carry it immediately. I think uh, quite a number of other news organisations. We're hoping to speak from somebody who's, uh, who's actually down there, hopefully before the end of the uh, the programme, which is at six o'clock this morning. Uh the, the, the terrorists don't get to win. They don't get to change our way of life, says uh, Londoner Richard 
Angel yesterday. And uh, it's this picture of this bloke hanging onto his pint. He's half drunk it. And the, uh, and the line was that uh, he paid £5.54. He's not giving it up at all. Meanwhile, over in Manchester, the tears of defiance. Ariana Grande with, uh, with a school choir here. And uh, one girl who sobbed her way through the whole thing. Robbie Williams, I think, managed to just about hold it together. It was, it was quite a line-up, actually. Marcus Mumford... Uh, Tim Shell, I don't know who some of these people are, so presumably they're Manchester-based people. Tim Shell, take that. Then, uh, oh, oh, sorry, it's the title of the songs, isn't it, that they're doing? So Marcus Mumford did Tim Shell, take that, did Shine, Giants and Rule the World. Robbie Williams did Strong and Angels. In other words, the crowd sang it for him because that's, that's the way it works at Robbie Williams things. Uh, Pharrell Williams and Marcus Mumford, Get Lucky. Uh, and Pharrell Williams and Miley Cyrus, Happy. Niall Horan did This Town, which I'm assuming is his new single. Uh, Ariana Grande uh, came on after Miley Cyrus. Miley did uh, Inspired. Ariana Grande did Be All Right, Break Free. Uh, Little Mix did Wings. Ariana Grande back again. My gosh, never stopped, actually. Thinking About You. Then she was back with Victoria Monet for Better Days. And then the Black Eyed Peas with Ariana doing Where Is The Love. Uh, also Mac Miller and Ariane the way, and then Ari- she never, she seriously never came off stage. Unbelievable. Ariana and uh, Miley Cyrus again, but don't dream it's over. Katy Perry's Part of Me and Raw, Justin Bieber. Love Yourself and Cold Water, Coldplay, Don't Look Back in Anger, uh, because they had somebody from Oasis who came and joined them. Uh, Liam Gallagher did uh, Rock and Roll, Star and Live Together, and then Ariana Grande finished up with One Last Time and then Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Must have come as a bit of a surprise to the people there. Probably weren't aware of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. But uh, people got their, their tickets, they went out in support, and they were, they were bonded together against hate. And that's all you can do in this country. Prince Harry, meanwhile, was, uh, was over in... Where was he, actually? He was in Singapore. He was on a two-day trip. They kept that one fairly quiet. I was wondering why we hadn't heard anything from the, uh, from the royals. Normally we, we get to hear... Things we had the police going up, uh, sorry, the uh, the Queen going up to Manchester. But I thought William and Kate would have uh, would have been doing something or popped up somewhere. But uh, so far they haven't done. I'm sure their thoughts are with everybody. Eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc dot co dot uk. Uh, again, it's that headline on the Express today. Uh, the Prime Minister who says things have got to change. Enough is enough, but we, we don't quite know what enough is enough. There also the marksman threatening to shoot a fleeing suspect. In pyjamas, this is a barefoot terror suspect's rooftop dash for freedom. Heavily armed officers stormed his home. A woman led away in a police van. It's amazing, everybody covering their faces up. I don't know why. I mean, you know, surely you'd want to sort of make sure this was all cleared up, wouldn't you? Uh, Also, callous, barbaric cowards. The mum who lashes out after her son was uh, stabbed. This is the mum I mentioned uh, a while ago. Elizabeth O'Neill said her son Daniel was out with a friend and his girlfriend, steps outside the bar for a second and was attacked. Uh, a terrorist plunged a knife into his stomach, screaming, this is for Islam. And uh, Mrs O'Neill said her son went into the pub after the attack. And then the man ran away. She said there were shots fired. Everybody was told to lie down. And then they were told to go downstairs in the bar. Daniel's friend had put a tourniquet on him and was holding pressure there. And uh, as far as I know, he's OK. He's in hospital. He's one of those people who was uh, seriously stabbed. The restaurant staff as well. All sorts of people were caught up on it. And uh, members of the public saying, we fought off the jihadis with bottles and hid in cellars and cupboards because they didn't know how many there were. 
As it turned out, there were three, they, but they didn't know that. All they knew is that people were running rampage. Uh, the Sunday Express man was stabbed trying to stop the evil jihadis. And this is uh, the journalist here. This is Jeff Ho, who's the business editor with the Sunday Express, was stabbed in the neck after he confronted the terrorists. I mean, how people survive these things, Lord alone knows. Uh, the brave officer who took on all three terrorists, all he was armed with was a baton. He didn't have anything else. If they'd had tasers or some sort of weapon or uh, or tear gas or so, I don't know anything. I'm just trying to think of, you know, fat use of blooming batonists to somebody. Somebody's only got to grab it out of your hand and that's uh, and that's it. The SAS arriving by helicopter kind of threw us a little bit yesterday. We weren't aware that the SAS had... Uh, a helicopter at their disposal. It was a plane helicopter, just in blue, no markings on it at all. So we weren't uh, sure where it came from, where it went back to. Uh, the Grande uh, display of love and resilience showing up there in Manchester, a star studded lineup, spelling out defiance, everybody holding up notices saying, We stand together, and that's what people do. Uh, also, um, the uh, May war, because the other thing you've got to remember is this week you're going out to vote with all this story about, you know, the prime minister insisting things have to change. I think she's talking mainly about the evil that is within our midst. It's something that we need to start uh, sorting out. But how? That's what nobody's come up with. They, you, know, they, you know, we're all saying exactly the same thing. Of course, we need to, to stamp out this evil. Of course, we need to find who these people are, arrest them, throw them in prison, do whatever with them. But we need to stamp it out. But uh, there's quite a few of them out there. If they're investigating 20,000 people who slipped under the radar, you can imagine what an immense problem this is. How many people you would need to take statements and, and do uh, checks on people who are quite willing to die for whatever they believe in, whatever sad little cause they appear to have. But it's got nothing to do with religion, put it that way. I think the way that they turn it around and the way it's been described to them is that it's all based on religion and they don't like us, yet they're more than happy to take uh, everything we've got on offer. You know, let's go and buy the, all these uh, things, all these nice Western things, you know, like telephones and everything else. Which of course, they wouldn't have had normally. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Nice to be company. It's Steve Allen with you till six o'clock this morning. Somebody phoned up to say Prince William was in Manchester. We weren't talking about Manchester. I'm terribly sorry. We were talking about London. I do beg your pardon if, if you were given the wrong impression there. We weren't talking about that. And also a lot's happened since Friday because it all kicked off. Uh, on Saturday. And it all kicked off on LBC on Saturday when uh, Nick Abbott came in, as you can well imagine. He had his programme all sort of mapped out. And then it all changed with one phone call. One phone call that came in from a London cab driver who decided, uh, absolutely correctly, to phone LBC, being the only place he knew that he would be heard immediately. And so within 10 minutes of events happening in Borough, Paul the black cab driver, was on LBC, and this is what he said on Saturday night. Uh, I'm a cab driver. I was just going over London Bridge, on the, and on the left-hand side, it looked like someone had been knocked off a bike. There were a small group of people trying to tr gather around him. And then a few yards on, I saw another person laying down and a woman screaming. And then a few yards on from that, there were bodies couple of bodies on the right-hand side on the other lane. And then there was another one on the left-hand side. And another driver shouted out to me that someone had... He said that someone had, had, had been attacking them with a with a knife. I didn't see any of that. But... Uh, and it, was, it just happened, and there were just people frantically on their phones trying to... Um, crikey, it's real shocking. Um... 
screaming into phones and other people trying to do um, resuscitation and great confusion. And um, and then we're just waiting for the emergency services. So I pulled off the bridge. I carried on going forward and a small number of cars that were there pulled out of the way. But uh, I don't know whether it's someone who did the attack by a, as was alleged by someone with a knife. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, I saw at least eight bodies. And did it look as though any cars had been driven off the road? Did, did it look like a, a car had been used as a weapon? I couldn't see that. I know it's just, I've just been told that that's, what hap- that's allegedly what happened, but I didn't see any evidence of that. A cab driver coming the other way who, who turned in from Duke Street Hill shouted that it was a, someone with a knife. And... Um, um, and I just saw people with, you know, people laying bodies. Uh, they were, and I say bodies. They, some some people were alive. Some of them were alive because they were. I could see this. They were right by the side of the cab. They were. They were. I was driving through it, and um, they were breathing, albeit erratically, a couple of them. But oh my God, I'm walking. In, I've driven into a nightmare scenario, and. Uh, and I tried phoning 999, I couldn't get through, and I, anyway. So where are you now? I'm at, I'm at Trafalgar Square now. Oh, right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know the accuracy of it, but one thing's for sure. I, I thought it was just a one-off incident, but it, it was, the bodies stretched across the bridge, so it wasn't just a group of bodies in one place. It was one here, another one 10 yards up, another one 10 yards on the other side of the road, and two together, and then one on the left on the pavement. Um, I can't see how it would have been a vehicle in that one was on the other side, the other carriageway. So unless the, the, the vehicle could actually knock the body, knock the person over, I don't know. But that's what I saw. What, what you're and, describing uh, sounds like it, it. I mean, it's all conjecture at the moment, of course, but it, it sounds like it could have been uh, more than one attacker. What kind of sense did you get? Uh, well, I, I, I'm, I locked. The, I had passengers in the back, and I locked the doors straight away and closed the windows. And a cab driver on the other side uh, just screamed at me that it was someone with a knife. Now, I, I, I don't want to say that's the case or not because I don't know the accuracy of that. But um, Are you saying uh, that they uh, saw a person or that, they, that that's what they believed? Well, he, he, he said he saw a person, right. but I don't know the accuracy of that, and, and it, I, I, I don't know. But what I saw was just driving across, and the there wasn't a lot of traffic, and all of a sudden... Three cars in front of me all sort of slowed down, and there we were in amongst it. And um, people desperately trying to get phones and get on to the emergency services. I believe they're all that I've just driven away from there, and there are many cars, many blue lights racing to the scene now. That was the call that started it all on LBC. That was Paul. The black cab driver. I mean, that was what we call fast work. I mean, seriously, seriously fast work. And uh, thanks, Tim, and all the other people who were around that area who were able to fill in 
the gaps that we had at the time, and we had lots and lots of gaps. Once we'd uh, filled in the story, then we were at least aware of it. Today you will see not only the uh, the full story laid out before you in the newspapers, but you'll see the pictures as well. You'll see the pictures of the police who responded so quickly. Eight minutes, eight minutes they were down there. That's really, really fast. The ambulance service, the uh, the special forces were down there, the SAS were down there. Could they have prevented it? Probably not. Probably not. In the same way we couldn't have prevented Westminster Bridge. But through the fast actions of the police and the ambulance service... Uh, a tragedy that could have been even greater was averted. Uh, people lost their lives. That in itself is an absolute tragedy. The police have uncovered the YouTube link to the London terror attack. Front pages of the papers. Let me give you those. Uh, the Daily Telegraph. This is the picture of these uh, special forces who are equipped. I mean, seriously, everybody went over and above. They were fantastic. Uh, Theresa May says enough is enough after London Bridge horror leaves seven dead. Terrorists shot dead by police tried to radicalise children in local park. Officers secretly recorded barking cell devising van and knife atrocity. So they had that now. Let's quickly cross in a few minutes to Dagenham and join Sky News' home affairs correspondent, Mark White. Mark, good morning. Good morning, Steve. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm very grateful. Listen, we heard reports of, of gunshots coming in. You're actually on the scene now, aren't you? Yeah, I'm very grateful to you, actually. I was listening to you in the car on the way down to yes. another address in Barking. Mark, thank uh, you. <laughs> Checked check that out with Scotland Yard. So they have confirmed that this is uh, an address just off the A13 on Rennick Road uh, in uh, Dagenham, uh, just as it sort of enters the Barking area. Uh, it's two addresses that were raided this morning just after 4 a.m., uh, armed police were involved in those operations here uh, at this address in Dagenham and another address in Newham. Uh, a number of people were told have been detained uh, for questioning. Uh, I can see uh, two police carriers at the moment uh, with uniformed officers who are just conducting a, a sort of search around the outside of what is a pub uh, just on the corner of the A13 there on Rennick Road. Uh, there are plainclothes detectives inside the building as well, counter-terror command officers who are carrying out this search. It's really, Steve, just part of this uh, very fast-moving, uh, ever-expanding investigation. A number of properties across East London have been searched in the last 24 hours and some 12 people arrested. That's not including... Uh, the those who've been detained today were still awaiting a bit further detail on them. It, it just goes to prove, doesn't it, Mark, that with the help of the public, we can we can pull this together. We can, you know, we, we got the tip off from somebody saying I'd heard these shots. You know, we do it. You can then follow it up. And then uh, the end result is we all become better informed, hopefully. Yeah. And, and you can understand people being woken from their slumber uh, at uh, four four fifteen in the morning by gunshots. It's quite alarming. But this is now customary to practice for the armed operations as they go into premises where they just know what, uh, don't know what the threat level is. Because of what's happened uh, in these recent terrorist attacks, the police are taking no chances. They fire off these distraction devices, uh, effectively stun grenades, smash their way into a property. It's all, you know, very dramatic and, and, and very, dis you know, un uncomfortable for those inside, of course. But the police are, are doing this out of an abundance of caution. Some of their officers, have been, as we know, have been 
uh, attacked mm. and, and stabbed in some of these recent attacks. Mark, I'm very grateful to you. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for listening. And uh, I'm glad we were all able to pull it together. Sky News is Home Affairs correspondent Mark Why. So he was listening to us when we got the, uh, the texts in. And uh, he then followed it up. And so uh, he was live in Dagenham now and will be live for, for Sky later on. Thank you for your company this morning. A shorter than usual uh, programme, mainly because Nick Ferrari's got a special coming up. Cressida Dick will be joining him as well. He's going to talk to uh, to cabinet ministers and to shadow cabinet ministers about the affairs because it's been... It's been another one of those weekends from hell. But uh, with your help, we can unravel. We can help the police do their job better. And uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow morning. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at 10 o'clock this morning, it's James O'Brien. But coming up next, continuing our coverage of the events, it's a special extended edition of Nick Ferrari at Breakfast. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.